This is JT from Modelo, an official cerveza of the Las Vegas Raiders, brewed as a model of what good beer should be. Modelo Especial is a rich, full-flavored Pilsner-style lager, delivering a crisp, refreshing taste, brewed with fighting spirit since 1925. The puck has dropped. It's the inaugural season for your Henderson Silver Knights, and you can catch all of the action on 1230 The Game. Brought to you by the Ruiz Law Firm. If you're in an accident, visit lmruizlaw.com. Consultations are free. This summer, get in the game and earn cash for betting sports with the William Hill Nevada Mobile Sports app on your phone or tablet. During William Hill's Summer Rewards, earn up to $500 cash back. Between now and August 5th, you'll be eligible for cash back points for every wager made, win or lose, on the William Hill Nevada Mobile Sports app. You'll also earn bonus cash back for teasers and parlay card wagers made on the app. To enroll in Summer Rewards and to see participating locations, visit williamhill.us. That's williamhill.us. Did you know Prilosec OTC can stop frequent heartburn before it begins? Yep, I said before. Block heartburn at the source by taking the Prilosec OTC two-week challenge. With just one pill a day, you get 24-hour heartburn relief. That's all day. Start the two-week challenge today at PrilosecOTC.com and live heartburn-free. Just one pill a day, 24 hours, zero heartburn. It's possible while taking Prilosec OTC. Use as directed for 14 days to treat frequent heartburn, not for immediate relief. Stay up to date with the never-ending breaking news in the sports world on Greeny. Featuring Mike Greenberg. Weekday mornings at 10 on ESPN Las Vegas. KWWN AM Las Vegas. Greeny's great. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. At no point in your rambling, incoherent response were you even close to anything that could be considered a rational thought. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. I award you no points, and may God have mercy on your soul. Handies! So with Ed out today, traveling to Minnesota, Adam Candy is our substitute teacher. Um, Adam, the first topic will grade is Alex Petrangelo trying to save an empty net goal? F plus. F plus. So the effort is an A. Like, you, that was a pop that off the boards, you really didn't think that he had any chance of getting to it. But I have to grade him at the lowest possible grade for going into the net like it was PE <laughs> class in high school. It's like he forgot how to stop or something. I don't know. He just took well, it out like that. Like, yeah, my plan to stop is just the net'll the net'll stop me. Well, what happened was he got into an in-between where he was gonna dive to try to stop it and then realized he wasn't going to be able to, but he had already kind of put his momentum going downward, and it's like, (laughs) I'll face crossbar. Oh, no. (laughs) Uh, I will grade it an A+. A+. Because it's the perfect summation of Alex Petrangelo's first season as a Golden Knight. They're paying him a lot of money, and he simply hasn't been good enough, just like he couldn't get to that puck and save it from going into the net and ended up falling into the net and onto his butt. Like, that's a perfect summation of what Alex Pendrell has been because at $8.8 million, he hasn't been good enough. Has he even been the second best defenseman on this team? He probably has been, but it's not like he's been far and away better than what Nate Schmidt gave him last year. 
Instead, he's crashing into nets in the playoffs and giving us at least a little bit of entertainment. Um, so you don't. So wait a minute, hold t- Tyler. You don't think that Alex Petrangelo has been a performance enhancement over Nate Schmidt? Oh, oh, man. We have uh, like ten more minutes in this segment. What am I supposed to do? We got to go to break. <laughs> what am I supposed to do? Wait, we're not doing anything better this segment than that. We got ten more minutes. All right, let's give it a shot. Jonathan Marchessault's stick being launched into the seats. Okay, that's a B. B. But Jonathan Marchessault's reaction is an A+. Plus. A+. Plus. <laughs> he had the greatest little man reaction you will ever see to something like that. First of all, he throws his hands up in the air like, did you see that? Like, can, you, can you believe this happened? And then he just does what Jonathan Marchessault <laughs> does. He gets angry. He gets angry and starts skating around looking for someone to fight. Like, if you listen to enough Golden Knights broadcasts on uh, AT&T Sportsnet, you know that Shane Knighty, the analyst, only breaks out this phrase when Jonathan Marchessault does something stupid. Like, he will come out and say, you know, you have to you have to be good at controlling your emotions out there. He doesn't say it about anybody else on the team. But when Jonathan Marshall starts skating around like a tiny little rocket looking for someone to launch into, Shane has to break out the, you got to control yourself. So I'm going to give an F. F. Because stick launches into the seats, fan catches the stick, but the fan didn't get to keep that stick. They came and gave him a replacement stick so Marcheseau could have his stick back. I don't like that. Let him keep the stick. Let him run away with it like it's a foul ball at a baseball game. But I'm actually going to give Jared an A+. Plus a+. Plus. Because, Jared, what would your fix for this problem for Jonathan Marcheseau be? Velcro. <laughs> I am first going to stop time and mark this moment because you just gave Jared an A+. Yes, it is. Uh, it's an it's a important moment to, to cherish for Jared. I remember back back in my childhood, going growing up, going to New Jersey Devils games, I was super excited that I got to go to stick day. And I kept thinking, like, you're going to walk in, they're going to hand you a stick, right? No. Prudes. They had no interest in doing that. They didn't give you the stick until you left the arena, which I thought to myself, that's all well and good, but you're still giving a bunch of drunk people in the parking lot sticks to attack each other in New Jersey. <laughs> Wait, they gave out full-size hockey sticks? They, you know, I mean, they were for kids, so it was, I think, 14 under or something like that. So full-size for a kid, dangerous enough yeah. in the hands of a drunk adult. <laughs> dangerous enough. I mean, technically, as a drunk adult. Everything can be dangerous in my hands. Wait, do any baseball teams do mini bat day and give away mini bats? Yeah, they used to. I don't know if they still do or not, but there's been bat day at Yankee Stadium for a long time. Okay. I I mean, I like the mini bats. I would go for mini bat day, but yeah, I can imagine how that would pinned up as a problem. Oh, God. Yeah. (laughs) But a fun problem. For some people. Um, All right. Disco demolition day. Next topic to grade. Dave Cavill, the Oakland A's president at the Golden Knights game last night. I'm going to have to make you go first on this one because this is the ultimate troll attempt. And so I have to let the ultimate troll weigh in first. All right. A plus. A plus. Because it's a terrific leverage play. It is a look how much I enjoy Vegas. Look at how this city supports its team in a playoff game. Phenomenal leverage play by Dave Cavill, the president of the Oakland A's. A plus there. Um, But I also have to give out an F 
F. Because we can blame the Game 5 loss of the Golden Knights on Dave Cavill because who knows postseason disappointment better than the Oakland A's. Oh, I thought you were just going to say that he brought some Bay Area mojo with him and it was sort of like a San Jose Sharks hex in the building. No, no, just the A's never win in the playoffs. So if the Golden Knights blow this series, he's the reason why. Next topic. Oh, you don't have a grade for it? It's Candy's grades N today. slash A. There you go. Okay. I, I, I can't talk about this one. I just can't. There's no need for me to grade this because, like, you are the one who would know better than anybody how well he performed. I'm not going to try to argue that. Are you part of the A's broadcast team? Did you see that, Adam? Did you see what the A's broadcast team did yesterday? I did not. So to end like their their post game show, uh, they showed the video of Dave Cav- that Dave Cavill tweeted out from the Golden Knights game and mentioned you know they're he's visiting uh, Vegas and Portland and all this. And then the host of the post game show said, "We've been asked to comment on this," and the host and the analyst stood there for about ten seconds, didn't say anything. And then just walked off the set with like 15, 20 more seconds before they went to commercial. I kind of respect it. Statement without a statement. Yeah. Very it was, well done. It was phenomenal. All right. Yeah. No, it's very well done. All right. Fine. It is Candy's grade. So fine. I will I will weigh in on this. Uh, a for, for Dave. A. F for Rob Manfred. F. Because Rob Manfred is the one orchestrating this whole dog and pony show. He's the one who said, well, if you want us to step in and say something, you know, hey, buddy, we're always there for you. And then Major League Baseball came out and started this whole dog and pony tour. Uh, Not to get too sidetracked from the Golden Knights. Is there anything that you would give an A to for Rob Manfred? Ooh. Ooh, that is a good question. Resigning. I was going to say he, I mean, he was really good at lying that one time he went on national radio and lied. That one time? As though Rob Manfred has lied one time. Interesting. Interesting. All right. Next topic is Zach Parise's goal. All right. Now, if you know the history on this one, you know what my grade is going to be. Jared, have your finger on the plus button. A plus, 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 plus. A plus, plus, plus. Plus, Zach Parise is the former captain of the New Jersey Devils. Uh, Zach Parise can do no wrong in my eyes. And so Zach Parise's goal gets full marks, especially for the creativity of putting it off the backside of the flower. So two things. Number one, I think the bank shots off the back of the goalie are my favorite goal in hockey because it's intentional and it makes the goalie look foolish. So the actual technique of the goal scoring, A+. A plus, but also Zach Parise healthy scratched throughout the end of the regular season, healthy scratch to start this actual playoff series, apparently might not play in Minnesota after this season is over, despite being like one of the longest tenured players with the Minnesota wild, the, the spite, the scoring in spite of him not being in the lineup for other playoff games. A plus for Zach Parise. A plus. Very similar to like Aaron Rodgers MVP and Marc Andre Fleury potentially winning the Vesna this year by hey, you don't respect me as a veteran who's been great. I'm going to be awesome in the playoffs. All right. Last topic. The NHL still does not have a plan for how Canadian the Canadian team will play an American team in the third round of the playoffs. I'm going to give this an A plus. A plus. 
because I think the NHL is admitting what we all know. None of the Canadian teams belong in the Stanley Cup final. <laughs> so they're basically saying, look, we understand that none of these teams uh, should be playing on the biggest stage. We understand the Maple Leafs just can't even get their act together enough to be considered a serious cup contender. Uh, the Oilers flame their way out in four games. Like, we're not going to make you do this. And so I think they're kind of slow playing the whole thing because eventually they're just going to call whichever of the Canadian teams wins the North Division the Canadian champion and let the rest of the teams play it out. <laughs> so I'm going to give it an N-A. N slash A. If you remember last summer when our sports leagues were coming back, the NBA like announced plans, announced what their bubble plan was going to be like a month and a half in advance. Like this is what we're doing to restart the season. The NHL waited like the NHL was basically like we thought it was coming to Vegas at one point and then nope, we're not doing it in Vegas. Like they waited until the last possible minute to actually make a decision. And I think that was smart because last summer, nobody knew what we I mean, hell, we still don't, but we didn't know what we were doing. Nobody had any idea what to expect on a week to week basis. And they're kind of in that same situation right now where I think right now, if you, if you travel from America to Canada, you've got a quarantine for seven days. Obviously you can't play a playoff series in a normal fashion. If teams coming, if the golden Knights have to go to Canada and quarantine for seven days to play a series. Um, so I think they're basically waiting and sort of hoping for the best at the end of the day. I'd have to assume who, if it's Toronto that comes out of there, they're going to play their home games in a city in the United States, just in front of no fans. You know, I know that the uh, the stadium in Dunedin is going to be available pretty soon. Uh, wherever the Raptors used is, is probably open now, right? <laughs> can they like, can they put ice down at the ballpark that the Toronto Blue Jays are playing at? If they've turned both the Dunedin Park and Buff- and Buffalo uh, at Salem into reasonable Major League stadiums, I think anything is possible. <laughs> All right, coming up next, I have to pay off a bet in Bischoff's briefs. The rules of Scrabble are simple. First, each player pretends to mix the tiles while trying to feel for the letter A. Bischoff's briefs. The game does not officially begin until one player reminds all the others that the first word scores double. That player is known as the Scrabble Jackass and is then handed the box top for any further rule clarifications. Bischoff's briefs. Players then take turns laying down words until someone does a bad job hiding the fact that they drew a blank. Bischoff's briefs. Upon seeing the blank draw, each player must make a bad joke about the tiles in their possession. Bischoff's briefs. Play continues until each turn takes longer than open heart surgery, and the game ends when one person uses the last of their letters. Even though at this point no one likes that person, they're still referred to as the winner. Bischoff's briefs. And that's how you scrabble. So I lost a bet on Australian soccer, of all things. To one of our listeners, Stephen, he is a Sydney FC fan. As a show, we adopted their rival, the Western Sydney Wanderers, and Sydney FC beat Western Sydney over the weekend. And I, to pay off this bet, have to present a Bischoff's briefs on a topic of Stephen's choice. And Stephen, quite impressively, chose something that I wholeheartedly disagree with. He wants me to show that expected goals is the worst stat in hockey and soccer. Now, I'm going to mainly focus on hockey here because we got the Golden Knights. But in hockey, here is, here's the best argument I could come up with as to why expected goals is the worst stat. If you don't know what it is, by the way, uh, basically every shot that's taken 
in an NHL game is given a probability of going into the back of the net. You add up all those probabilities, and that gives you a team's expected goals for a certain game. You do it for both teams, and you can tell basically who generated the most shots, most chances, or best shots, best chances, because the closer you are to goal, the 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 higher the probability is and the more expected goals you ultimately get credit for. So expected goals gives us a breakdown of which teams create the best and create the most shots. Uh, so as with pretty much anything in sports analytics, the goal is to predict which teams are the best and which teams will play the best going forward. And in the regular season, we can take a team that, let's say, starts the year 3-5-1, and one, but they have an expected goals of like 55%. We can take an educated guess that that team is going to start winning soon because their expected goals is pretty good and their record is not very good. And over a larger sample size, playing well is going to lead to more winning. If they continue to have an expected goals of 55%, they should start winning at an above 500 rate. But this is where the argument is for why expected goals is the worst stat. The playoffs. We don't get to see that large sample size. Our sample size is four to seven games at a time. So if you outshoot your opponent for the first four games, but some bad luck pops up and you'll win one of those four games, you're down 3-1 in the series, more than likely you're done for. Hell, if the series, if we had like 17 game series, which still isn't that big of a sample size, there would be plenty of time for the analytics to sort of balance out and you come back from a 3-1 deficit. But in a seven game series, it's very hard to come back from a 3-1 deficit, even if you play better than your opponent for those last three games of the series. And the Golden Knights have been the perfect example of expected goals not mattering in the playoffs. Over the last two seasons, the Golden Knights have been in five playoff series. They've now played 30 playoff games. The team with the highest expected goals in those 30 playoff games have won 15 of them. Exactly half of them. Expected goals has been essentially useless at predicting who wins Golden Knights playoff games over the last two years. And by the way, even better than that, over the last two years, the Golden Knights have had an expected goals of 70% or more four times. They've only won one of those games. So even in games where they are absurdly dominant by expected goals, they still don't always win those games. So expected goals, well, great for telling us which teams are good in the regular season. We don't actually care about the regular season because it's all about winning a championship and expected goals don't have enough time in the playoffs to actually end up playing out as expected. So therefore, expected goals is the worst stat in hockey. How did I so, do? Did I convince anybody? Not even a little bit. So uh, here's and, and the reason you didn't convince anybody is because you spent 90% of the time in that defending expected goals and then spent 10% of the time talking about, well, it doesn't apply in the playoffs. You, you did what any smart sports analytics person would do given your situation, you tried to find a way to talk around it. And I'm proud of you for that because we began this segment and I thought to myself, wow, Tyler is actually going to have to say something about why this stat is garbage. And yet he didn't. What you did was you said, well, sample size, which is the defense of any stat in analytics. So you didn't actually say why it's a garbage stat, though. You didn't say that, that over the course of a real sample that expected goals is a stat we shouldn't use. 
eye test. Is that what it should have gone with instead? That the eye test is better than than analytics? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yes. That I trust yes. my eyes more the, than your fancy spreadsheet? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, because your eyes are watching an actual game, and games don't happen on spreadsheets. They kind of do, though. Like, people say no, they don't, but no, they kind of do. No, they watch a game on a spreadsheet. Nope, <laughs> not once. They kind of do. They kind of, you can put them on a spreadsheet. They might not like it. It might not be as much fun to watch, but it kind of happens. So, so what you're saying is I failed in my assignment. You didn't fail. You got, uh, I don't know if we have the grades available here, Jared, but um, <laughs> you got a D minus minus. D minus minus. So, so you basically did <laughs> that one was just good. enough to get a passing grade. Like, I don't think Steven could come back now and say, you didn't do your segment. You didn't pay off your bet, but you did the bare minimum to pay off that bet. I don't know. I think I did a good job. I think I deserve at least a C out of it. Like a D is just like, that's just, you're not afraid to fail somebody. I, I think what you got was a pass. I'll take that. What about a check? Do I get a check minus? Check minus. I like the check minus. That implies you're not any good, but you can't fail because there's no failing on this grading system. Um, okay. All right, I'm okay with that. I think I, I think I served myself well while doing something that I hated doing. Oh, yeah. I mean, the only person you served with any of what you just said was you. <laughs> and Steven. I mean... No, oh, st- no, Steven... No, uh, Steven should be horribly let down by that. <laughs> Steven should feel like winning a bet should get him far more than you trying to find some sort of alternative argument and then talking around even that alternative argument. He chose the terms... This was his terms. I didn't come up with this. He knew what he was getting himself into. Well, dealing with you, he knew what he was getting exactly. himself into. Exactly. Listen, he's got me watching Australian soccer at 11 p.m. at night and watching this team lose because they can't score a damn goal despite scoring a goal in like every game they play and then having to come these, on here. Some of these games in 7-5 and the one right. game you The one to- I lost ended one nothing. They just played a game that ended 6-5. to five. And then the one I bet on, they'd lose one nothing. Brutal. Disaster. Is there a less intimidating mascot than the Wanderers? Um, yes, the Indiana Pacers, the New York Knicks. Yeah, it, I, I'm going to say Neon Knights. Oof. Well, at least you got a sword. You might be able to see it from a mile away because it's bright, but at least you got a sword if you're a Neon Knight. Which, by the way, on Bill Foley's thing, I meant to ask this question. If they're the Nighthawks, is that a hawk dressed up as a knight? Like, are we going to have a hawk with a little helmet on, a little sword in his claw? Oh, God. I, <laughs> I, the, 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 the Foley branding system is just something. It, it is just something. Uh, that's why I wanted to be the nightmare, because I, I'm trying to imagine what they'll come up with, with for it, a mascot for the nightmare. It'll be another horse. <laughs> no, don't. No, come on. One horse was more than enough. Plenty of horses. Is it bad that I kind of hope Bill Foley doesn't end up uh, bringing NBA or Major League Soccer here because I don't want those teams to also be something nights? Um, yeah, considering you've been pushing for the NBA for years now. Yeah, you can't go that far. Yeah. I, I have I have judged. Would like okay, in all seriousness, Bill Foley does in fact bring an NBA team here. Would he actually go to call it something nights while he has the Golden Knights playing in the NHL? At the same time, no, no, no. It, like, it, that, that's the difference between having an expansion franchise and bringing in a team that has its own marketing built into place. No, I'm saying if he if he gets an expansion team, like oh, if, if they, he gets if, an expansion team, oh, we're absolutely getting some oh, Fortnite's. Yeah, oh, come on, 
obviously. Man, with the okay, if you're the NBA, you can't let that happen, though, right? Why? What do you mean you can't let that happen? Owners run the league. Yeah, but money like, runs the league. If he wants to pay for an expansion team, he could call them the Bill Foley, Bill Foley, Bill Foley's. That'd be better. <laughs> <laughs> all right, let's put it to a fan vote. That'd be better. Yeah, like all right, the Foley's take the court. I'd be that'd be better than the something Knights when you already have two, potentially three different Knights teams in the cities. Like. Just come on. Somehow he's going to end up with NBA and Major League Soccer, and we're going to have five teams in this city that are the something Knights, and it's going to be the most confusing thing we've ever done as a city with sports. You know know soccer is going to be Knights FC. (sighs) Man, that hurts. All right, coming up next, Kyle Goon joins the show. Our stats hogwash. Are you tired of hearing Tyler do math on the radio? Call the Press Box voicemail and let us know. 702-720-4678. Uh, even get some more um, on the day of the game, I believe, Tuesday. And uh, we're ready for that, for that challenge again. Joining us now is Kyle Goon. Covers the Lakers for the Southern California News Group. Kyle, how are you today? I'm great. How are you? Good. Um, so just big picture in general, how much worry is there for the Lakers after losing game one? Um, the, there's some. Um, I, I think that just stems from this team is, is <laughs> I, I don't know if it's so much a team yet as, as it is a, a collection of individuals. Um, but, uh, you know, there's still LeBron. LeBron is not 100%, but healthy enough to play. Um, folks know that Anthony Davis can score more than 13 points. Um, and and I think there is a sense that, um, you know, the, the series is recoverable, I think. But I, I really do think that the Lakers kind of need to win game two tonight uh, and, and even it up just to show that they're capable of the kind of control in a series that they had last year season so i mean i saw them lose game one last season in the bubble and in portland and against houston but there there always was a sense the lakers could kind of come back and turn it on and um we have not really seen the the turn it on sense from the lakers in this particular grouping this year so i that's kind of what i'm waiting to see tonight what about the way the suns play is the most challenging for the lakers to deal with um, I, I think it's just the fearlessness. Um, I think it's just that they're not intimidated by the playoffs. And, um, you know, I was impressed by that. I, personally, I I kind of wondered, okay, maybe Devin Booker is is the guy. Maybe he's ready for this. But is DeAndre Ayton ready for this? Is Mikhail Bridges ready for this? Um, they have young guys down the roster. I mean, Cam Johnson, uh, new to the playoffs. Um, campaign has only played you know, one or two series in his career. So um, I, I really was pretty surprised that, to a man, they, they looked pretty composed, they looked pretty ready. Um, I think they really responded to the energy of the home crowd, which was great. Um, and uh, I, I I was surprised that all of them seemed to have pretty good games. I, I kind of figured that, you know, somewhere down the line, you'd have a guy um, who, who would be a squeaky wheel just kind of, getting used to the playoffs but uh, to be honest it was the Lakers even though they have a way more experience that just did not look urgent so 
Uh, I'm, I'm interested to see if that keeps up, but I, I think the Suns' poise uh, and it is really what made the difference in Game One. And you got to give a lot of that credit to Monty Williams. How uh, dirty do you actually think the Chris Paul play on LeBron James's arm was? Uh, I, I don't know. I'm, I guess uh, on a scale of one to Chris Paul, it's normal Chris Paul, right? <laughs> So, I, I I don't know. I, I think it is a little. I, it, it it's funny because you know that LeBron and Chris are are close, um, but on the court, it's very very hard to tell. There was the the moment where Chris had his, uh, I guess what is now we know is the shoulder stinger, and LeBron was there, picked him up off the court, um, was right by his side. All other moments of this series, they have been perfect strangers. And it, it's very interesting to see, obviously, two uber-competitive guys. Uh, I mean, like I said, LeBron was right there in the uh, when Chris hurt his shoulder. And then, you know, a couple quarters later, Chris is uh, yanking his arm a little bit. So I, I think, you know, and LeBron probably played it up a bit. But um, it, it's it's interesting to see those two kind of, hunt each other out and, and really um, become rivals in this series. Were the Clippers ducking the Lakers at the end of the season? And if so, should they have been ducking the Lakers? Because it always felt to me like the idea was we're trying to build a superstar-led team that is the equal or better in, in really much the same mold. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's a lot of interesting dimensions to that question. I, I feel like, first off, I should... I start by saying the Lakers cannot blame anyone else for for where they're at, right? I mean, the Lakers were a little salty about getting the play-in, um, but the, the fact of the matter is if they win one more game this season, they're out of it. Um, so if they had beaten, you know, the last couple games of the season really stand out, if they had beaten uh, Sacramento, if they had beaten Toronto, if they had been able to beat Portland uh, in Portland, which is a pretty close game. Um, you know, and they just kind of let down in some of those really critical moments um, if they've beaten Washington. Um, and those are not tough teams to beat, especially if you think you're a championship contender like the Lakers. Um, so, I, first of all, I just kind of want to start there. But, yeah, I mean, I, I having watched some of the footage of the Clippers and – not only like who they benched. I mean, the, you, you, if you're contending, you have a right to rest your guys. But there was just plays, especially in that Oklahoma City game, where they very clearly were trying to not win. They're just isolating with Daniel Oturo, and all the other four <laughs> guys are standing around, and nobody's going for a rebound. Uh, so uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think you kind of, I, I, I don't know. I, I'm of the mindset that if you want to be a winner. You, you try to win no matter the, the cost. And, and, you know, earlier in the season, you know, Jazz fans were asking me, because uh, I used to cover the Jazz, uh, do you think, you know, the, the Jazz should not want the one seed in case, you know, the Lakers finish fourth, which looked like a possibility at the time. So, and I said, no. If you want to be a champion, you want to win every time you hit the court. You're trying to win every time you hit the court. And, of course, the Clippers, the first game back, um, in the playoffs, they can't turn it on. So, so I just don't think the messaging is good. I mean, I think Ty Lue, obviously, he's won a championship. He, he knows what he's doing, and he, and he knows LeBron really well. 
But I think the messaging should have been, if you want to win a championship, you're trying to win every time you're on the court, no matter the situation, no matter the personnel. If, if we're going to play our backups, they're going to try and beat Oklahoma City. And that was not what's happening in that game. So, Kyle, who do you think is the best team in the West? Man, I don't know. The, the, the teams that I, I think I, I would have told you before all lost game one. So um, I, I'm really not sure. Uh, I, I kind of have a in my head a, a sort of odds are among these three equal the Jazz, uh, the the Lakers, and the Clippers. Because um, I just don't know. I mean, you know, we haven't really seen – any of those teams kind of turn it on yet in the playoffs. I, one thing I, I really like about the Jazz, though, is just their continuity. And the Suns have this, too. Um, just the Jazz have this continuity, but it goes back years. It goes back, you know, Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert played together for four years. Um, you know, and so is Joe Ingles. And Mike Conley's been there for two years. And Bojan Bogdanovic has been there for two years. And Derek Favors went away for one year and didn't like it in New Orleans, so he came back to Utah. So I, I just think they have a very good sense of what their roles are, um, and, and I think that's going to matter because you look at if you look at the Lakers. I mean, even tonight, even if they win, there's going to be some sense of disconnectedness of guys not really understanding what their teammates need, what their teammates want. They may be able to get by this series because they have LeBron and AD, but the the team is not there yet chemistry wise is is not to the level of a jazz it's not to the level of the suns frankly but um you know the lakers obviously have some of the most talent in the west so i i I think it's a three-way tie right now between those teams but you know none of them look great in game one you used to cover the jazz and so you are someone we have to ask about Donovan Mitchell and that whole situation that played out leading up to game 1 where uh, we thought he was going to be available turns out he wasn't uh, what do you think about what's going on with Mitchell um you know knowing him he's he's a young guy who wants to play in the playoffs um and i think um i think it's hard to tell somebody that you know they're they're not ready. I think it's a hard organizational decision. Um, and you know, like a young star, he's he's going to have his own people, um, and some people that maybe want to tell him what he wants to hear. Um, so, I, you know, obviously, I can't look at Donovan's ankle. I can't <laughs> I can't examine it and tell tell you, oh well, yeah, it looks good, or oh, this isn't ready. Um, you know, it's it's not doesn't sound too dissimilar from. Obviously, on a different scale from what happened to Kawhi and San Antonio, it just seems like it's a little bit inevitable that that certain guys in certain markets are going to have their own people who disagree. Um, and uh, but I, I think you know if it's one game, it's one game. You know, the, Donovan's a competitive dude. He wants to be there. He considers himself a leader. Um, he knows. Uh, obviously, when they lose, I mean, you're going to be even more upset that you weren't out there and. So I'm interested to to know is is he mad at the Jazz or is he frustrated with himself? Because um, the Jazz aren't trying to lose, <laughs> you know. The Jazz aren't trying to lose games, um, but they also want to keep their star and and they don't want to put him at risk. So 
Uh, obviously, we see what happens when maybe a guy returns a little too early, like Kevin Durant did in in the finals uh, two years ago. So, you, you, it's it's a tough, tricky balance. People are going to have different opinions, but I really think you're seeing just a young guy who who wants to play. Whether it is uh, moving Anthony Davis to the five full time or Andre Drummond or Marc Gasol, what do you think the Lakers should be doing at the center spot? Yeah, I, I think this is a series where they can get away with starting Andre or, or Mark. For, uh, I think they're going to start Andre again. Um, whether or not you think that's the best option, what uh, you know, I, I don't know what to tell you. But I, I think really the key for them is if they're going to play those guys, you, you bring in Andre, and Andre's assignment is beat up on Mark, or I mean beat up on uh, DeAndre beat up on, on Aiton, make it hard for him, make everything hard for him, uh, be all over him, don't let him move, get in his way when he's trying to roll into the paint. And then you bring in Mark when when Andre has a couple fouls, and Mark is doing the same thing and and, and, and beating him up and getting him uh, getting physical and pushing him around because those guys are two tough veterans. They're physical. And DeAndre Aiton has shown that he's not – always ready for that kind of scrap mentally. So, I mean, you know, two weeks before game one, the Lakers killed the Suns, killed them. AD had 42 points, and DeAndre Aiden had like six. So I, I think that they, they really got to figure out a way to just get more physical on some of those guys. And, and obviously that also includes Devin Booker, um, who they did not do a good job. Well, I mean, they did an okay job, but Devin made some tough shots. But you got to take out the supporting cast, and DeAndre Ayton was the number two guy. And if the number two guy doesn't score 20 points, if he scores six, the Suns aren't winning that game. So I, I, to me, you make it a mud fight in the paint, and you make nothing easy for DeAndre Ayton, and you destroy that pick-and-roll game. But, you know, it's, it, it, it's like I said, I mean, they just have this disconnect, and, and they're trying to play Bontrez Harrell, too. So it, it's just... They're trying to make everybody happy, and it's it's not a great um, situation for the playoffs. Uh, Kyle, last year we talked to you from the bubble. Is there anything you miss about the bubble? No. <laughs> well, enjoy the playoffs uh, not being in a bubble the rest of this season, Kyle. We appreciate <laughs> it. Thanks for having me on, guys. Appreciate it. Uh, Kyle Goon from uh, the Southern California News Group covering the Lakers. They play tonight against the Suns in Game 2. Um, Adam, I, I think everybody knows that I don't like uh, centers, so obviously Anthony Davis should be playing center. Is there is there an argument that you have for why they should be playing Andre Drummond? I believe it was less than 12 hours ago that I was on another broadcast yelling why is Andre Drummond still in the game <laughs> because they are getting crushed in his minutes if they want to keep playing Andre Drummond in this series in particular then Chris Paul should be sending the limo to make sure that Andre Drummond gets to every single game because they are going to destroy him in that pick and roll if Andre Drummond is on the floor there is no good purpose for him to serve for this team I gotta find the story that I read about Andre Drummond who has like his career numbers, like rebounding percentage, is like one of the best all time, but somehow his teams actually get less rebounds when he's on the floor than when he's on the bench, and it's 
it's like a mind-blowing stat to have a guy who's that good but actually doesn't help the team rebounding. Like, I'm not sure that Andre Drummond has actually helps a team win with anything that he does, even if he puts up great numbers. Not in the 2021 NBA. If you gave me Andre Drummond 20 years ago, I could do a lot with him. But that's not what the game is. When you have five different players on the floor who can all score, who can all shoot, then a guy with feet of cement is not someone I need out there. Yeah, I just, like, what? I don't know why, like the Lakers, I, I don't get it. Like, it's not like the Lakers are dumb and don't know what era of basketball we're in, right? Like, it's not, it's not, it's not even like Bill Lambeer, who's just like, hey, I'm going to beat up the WNBA with post players. Like, I can't, I just, I don't know. I can't comprehend the the logic or the reasoning behind Andre Drummond getting so many minutes for this team. Well, and the people who are blaming it on LeBron need to check LeBron's history. Yes, he did have Anderson Barajao out there in Cleveland, but look at Miami. You're going to tell me Udonis Haslam is a center? Like, they weren't throwing a traditional center out there during the LeBron years. I mean, if you need to slide Bosch to the five, you could slide Bosch to the five. So it's not just about how LeBron's putting the team together. I know that earlier when we were talking to your own Weitzman about Anthony Davis and does he like playing the five or not, that narrative is coming from somewhere. And it's likely coming from Anthony Davis and or people around him. And I'm tired of it. I'm tired of hearing Anthony Davis doesn't (laughs) want to play the five. It's crap. This team is a thousand times better, not an analytical number, with Anthony Davis at the five and another shooter on the floor. Yeah, I, I, it's the whole point of what Anthony Davis does and even LeBron James in that instance for how big he is. Like The whole point of those two players is you can have size without actually having a center on the floor. Like That's the whole benefit of having an Anthony Davis and a LeBron James is you don't have to play a true center You've got guys that can do those jobs for you on the defensive end without having Andre Drummond out there. So it's he, he, Andre Drummond just defeats the whole purpose of modern basketball. Well, did you see in the play-in game against the Warriors when they started trying to run pick and roll with Steph Curry and they would bring out Anthony Davis and the switch was AD on Steph, Steph would give the ball up just yeah. about as fast as possible. Yeah, when it's Andre Drummond, it's uh, free points. All right, coming up next. Guy Fieri is very, very rich. Turned away by Marc-Andre Fleury. There's just seven seconds left. Vegas threw everything, including the kitchen sink at Minnesota. It wasn't enough tonight. Minnesota wins it by a score of 4-2. They live to fight another day. There will be a game six Wednesday night in St. Paul. Wait, is that the Minnesota Wild radio play-by-play? Yeah. Oh, he sounds like he's straight out of like 1970. Uh- I went for t- I went to grab sound and that was available, so I went. All right, why not? All right, uh, I actually want to finish the show talking about Adam's favorite uh, part of baseball. Now, uh, do you know what I watched yesterday in the afternoon? The Tampa Bay Rays beat the Blue Jays fourteen to eight in eleven innings. Do you know how great that was? Because it was five to five going into the tenth, and it ended fourteen to eight two innings later. Okay. Why well, was it great, Tyler? Oh, it was phenomenal. Uh, well, I mean, the, Ray, the Rays couldn't stop hitting, which they had more runs in the 10th and 11th inning than they did the entire playoff run last year and still got to the World Series. I'm not bitter about that. But, no, it was great. Every at-bat was phenomenal from the first one to the last of extra innings, and it was the greatest two innings of that entire game, all because of Rob Manfred's rule to put a runner on second to start the innings. Okay, so we went to extra innings, tied at five, right? Ten runs have been scored, and then... You're telling me that in extra innings, 12 runs were scored. Yeah, and it was better. Okay, so 12 runs were scored. How much did that have to do with the fact that there was a runner on second base versus the fact that two teams were able to swing the bat and get actual hits? Well, four of those 12 runs were because a runner was on second base. Okay, 
but not but you're telling me that the other eight weren't right at least one was because there was an infield brought in and a ball hit through the infield that probably wouldn't have gotten hit through the infield if there hadn't been a runner placed on second who got to third. Fair enough. You love analytics. Yeah. So more than 50% of the runs probably would have scored anyway because teams were just swinging the bat, and it happened to be a good day for swinging the bat in extra innings. So you probably didn't even need a runner on second base to enjoy all the offense that was being offered to you between Tampa and Toronto. Had there not been a runner on second, the Blue Jays probably went on a walk-off in the bottom of the 10th because the Rays probably don't score in the top of the 10th. Oh, right. Okay, yeah. so the game would have ended quicker um, because your argument before was that you said after you've watched three hours of a game, you don't want to watch three more hours of a game. You're like, I would still be sitting there, so you would have been happy with a walk-off. Checkmated your no, ass. No. To, to correct that, Adam, when, we, when I said that, that was specifically in reference to a game that there had been one run scored by each team going into the ninth inning and they were not oh. going to score anymore this one there was clearly offense to be had because well vladimir guerrero jr's in it which by the way uh, side note to our extra innings argument i did not know this until the graphic on the broadcast showed me yesterday vlad guerrero leads baseball and wins above replacement this year well you've put you've put him at a position where defense doesn't matter anymore so yeah okay yes yes but I just I mean I know he's been good but I was surprised that he was number one in war and I was like all right well, let's make him the MVP well yeah trout's been out for two weeks now and he plays at a position where the average player can play pretty much the same defense as him yeah. defense is overrated damn Astros have two guys in their lineup for defense only and they both suck at it oh you're so cheated. Damn Tampa Bay Rays model.